Hello, hello, you are listening to Art House Garage, the snob-free film community where we make classic art house and indie cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and this is the third episode in our series on classic film essentials, where we are looking at some of the best movies from the classic era through a beginner's lens. If you are new to the world of classic cinema, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we discuss a movie and break down the historical context and the place that the actors and filmmakers hold in cinema history. Today's film is the all-time great All About Eve, starring Betty Davis and directed by Joseph Mankiewicz. My guest for this series is the incredibly knowledgeable Rance Collins, and he's back once again to give us all the details and behind-the-scenes drama for this film. But just before we get to that, a little Arkansas update. In the last episode, I mentioned the upcoming Hot Springs International Women's Film Festival. This is a festival taking place at the historic Central Theater in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and each of the films feature women in one of the key production roles. This is a big deal in the continuing fight for women's representation in the film industry, and I'm so happy the Arkansas film community is working hard to try and correct this problem. The festival lineup has been announced. You can see the whole schedule on the Hot Springs Women's Film Festival Facebook page, which I will link in the show notes, but I thought I'd go ahead and highlight just a couple of titles just to give an idea of the types of films that they will be showing. Many of these films are having their premieres and are being seen for the first time, and the program is a mixture of short and feature-length films, so you can literally just sit back and enjoy this carefully curated lineup. There are also a few acting workshops and other seminars for filmmakers, so if you are part of the film industry in Arkansas or in neighboring states, this is a great event to attend. As far as the movies go, here are a couple that I'm really excited to see. The first is a Chinese film called Five Cent Life, and here's a little bit of the official description. This is, quote, the true story of Chinese citizen Lin Zhao, who lived through the Chinese Civil War that led to the rise of the communists. She attended a Christian school, but rejected Christian dogma and threw herself into communist activity, killing wealthy landowners during Mao's land reform movement. And that is just the beginning of the description. She apparently goes on to become a pretty controversial public figure. It sounds provocative and educational, and I cannot wait to see it. Another film playing is called Show Me What You Got. Here's what the description says for this one. Richly filmed in black and white on the cityscape of Los Angeles, three 20-somethings come together, sparking with the restless energy of the French New Wave. Each member of the threesome is in transition. So that sounds incredibly creative and another one that I'm really excited to catch. One note, at the time that I am recording this on March 16th, public health concerns around the coronavirus are leading to a lot of event cancellations. Literally just before I recorded this, I received word that they are postponing the festival for, quote, at least 45 days. It was originally set for the end of March, but it seems it is likely still going to happen just at a later time. Stay tuned to their Facebook page and to the Art House Garage Facebook page for more details when they come out. I'm so happy it's not canceled officially that it uh, hopefully will still be on just a little bit later. All right, that's the Arkansas update. Now on to the main event, All About Eve. 
This film from 1950 tells the story of Margot Channing, a theater star who is aging and having a bit of an identity crisis. She is pushed to the edge by an adoring fan named Eve, who slowly begins to become part of her life and drives Margot wild with jealousy. Betty Davis plays Margot and she is delightfully unhinged in some of the film's more dramatic scenes, but it's also a fascinating look at aging and show business, at female relationships, at fame, and at obsession. Rance and I do keep this discussion completely spoiler-free, so you are safe to listen if you've never seen it, though I hope you will seek it out and experience this amazing film for yourself. And now, my discussion with Rance Collins on the film All About Eve. Honored members, ladies and gentlemen, for distinguished achievement in the theater, the Sarah Siddons Award to Miss Eve Harry. I'm going to take you to Margot. Oh, no. Oh, yes, she's got to meet you. She's quite a girl, this what's-her-name. Eve, I've forgotten they grew that way. I take it she read well. It wasn't a reading, it was a performance. Brilliant, vivid, something made of music and fire. How nice. Hello, Rance. Welcome back to Arthouse Garage. How are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I'm doing really well also, um, partially because I recently watched All About Eve for the first time ah. and really, really loved it. Um, yeah. So how many times have you seen All About Eve? Oh, um, let's see. I don't know. Five, six, something yeah. like that. I don't know. Um, I think I watched it for the first time when I was in college. It came out in one of those um, Betty Davis box sets. Mm, yeah. And, um, and I watched it then, and then I'm pretty sure I showed it to a couple people. And recently, um, just about who, two or three weeks ago, oh, it was the day of the Oscars. It was the mm. day, it was the day of the Oscars. I saw all about Eve in, uh, at the Egyptian theater here oh, in Hollywood. Yeah. So, um, That's great. anyway, so I've seen it quite recently. Yeah, so I, I watched it, uh, got it from the library and watched it a couple weeks ago and um, really, really enjoyed it. It's actually my first Betty Davis movie, too. Um, oh. So I was like, wow, she's amazing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then doing some research and, and how she, you know, was an aging star, much like Margot, her character in the movie and uh, all the parallels. They are really, really fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's dig into what the movie is about. It's all about Eve. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, Eve, the title character, is not Betty Davis's character, Margot. Um, but it opens up, and it's being narrated by um, he's a critic, theater critic mm-hmm. uh, named Addison Dewitt. Um, it's, George Sanders is the actor, and he yes. has the he's the silkiest voice, and he <laughs> yes. uh, he uh, voices or voiced uh, Shere Khan ah. in the Jungle Book animated film yeah that, it, that, I, that makes so much sense because he sounded yes. vaguely familiar but uh, yeah his voice is incredible and his character is so snarky and witty and that mm-hmm. he is one of my favorite things i saw that he did win the oscar i believe for that and yeah for supporting to hear that Actor, and there's some yeah. there's some oscar drama with this too which we'll get to but um <laughs> so this is kind of about the theater world so it, it's kind of interesting you have like hollywood people it's it, it sort of it, it comments on Hollywood and movie culture quite a bit, 
but it's about uh, theater stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so Margot Channing is Betty Davis. She's the uh, main character here. She is an aging star. Um, she is uh, kind of losing some ground as far as her fame goes. Um, she's kind of um, a diva, I guess, is maybe a word that would describe her. And uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> and she is uh, in a relationship with... Um, his name is Bill, and he is the director of the play that she's starring in. That, that's correct, yep. right? And then, yes, he's um, the director. Their best friends are the screenwriter and his wife. Screenwriter, is, or not screenwriter. Playwright. <laughs> uh, playwright, yes. <laughs> Lloyd, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, which is Lloyd, and um, her husband is Karen. And so she and Karen are best friends, uh, and that's kind of where it starts. Actually, it starts in the future and then jumps back in time to tell the story. Um, yes. It starts at it's an award great, show. Yeah. Yes. It starts at the Sarah Siddons awards, which is uh, kind of a riff on like a Tony or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. And um, interestingly, the Chicago theater society now has a Sarah, a Sarah Siddons award named in honor wow. of this That's so cool. uh, movie. And they gave Betty Davis an honorary one at some point. Oh, that's um, amazing. But um, the Sarah Siddons Society is awarding Eve Harrington, this breakout new theater star, um, an award. And uh, then, you know, you see all the people you just mentioned in mm-hmm. the audience and none of them seem very happy. Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> and then we flash back and we find out how Eve um, was a fan of Margot Channing, Betty Davis. Mm-hmm. And... Um, started as an adoring fan and became her assistant and infiltrated her world. Yeah. In a big way. And it's interesting. It kind of builds up in that award show that Eve is going to be seen. And so she's winning the award and then you finally see her and yeah, kind of the reactions of the, the main characters. And I said Mm -hmm. that Addison DeWitt uh, is narrating. He is at the beginning. It actually jumps from narrator to narrator, which is kind of an interesting choice. Yes. I think it makes for some kind of cool, dramatic irony in a few places. Um, yes so then it jumps to yeah the past and at the award ceremony there's there's uh one of the reaction shots um of betty davis is a pretty off used gif yes as well of i think it usually comes with the words judging you on it (laughs) (laughs) and it's just her glaring at the (laughs) at at eve apparently she Um, has so many great just uh, betty davis is she's incredibly jealous so yeah so it, i guess briefly it jumps mm-hmm. back eve is this huge fan of hers kind of a almost stalker level fan um mm-hmm. groupie kind of going to the theater every night to see her and um meets karen her best friend karen says come come meet everybody and they um hear her story of how she's divorced and um or her husband died right i think that's right in the war. yeah she she has a big a big story and um Thelma Ritter who uh plays uh Bay Davis's maid in the movie mm-hmm. uh Birdie says something like it's everything but the bloodhounds yapping at her yeah <laughs> it's like a very dramatic story of how yes. she got here and, and now she loves the theater she first saw Betty Davis's character Margot on stage uh, many years ago or a couple years ago and has been obsessed ever since been following her around basically yeah um is the way that the way that's told, but yeah, once she gets in, you know, she somehow basically ends up uh, tagging along with Betty Davis, and mm-hmm. then Betty Davis kind of employs her to be an assistant, and um, 
slowly she uh, starts to make her, I mean, like, make Karen, the best friend, realize that, you know, hey, she wants to be an actress, too. Yeah. What if she read for this part? What if she was Betty Davis's understudy in this play? Yeah, she very kind of sneakily, or you, you really don't know if it's sneaky, because she plays it so innocently that you're like, is she being sneaky here, or is she just genuinely this young and naive and kind of like, well, I never thought about being an actor and and all this stuff. (laughs) And it kind of keeps you in suspense for what her real intentions are for a lot of the movie. It does. Uh, And, and and I think that's a real strength of it too. Um, But um, it is the first person to turn on her though, is the person who shows her the most affection to begin with, Mm. you know, Betty Davis. Yeah. Um, Because Betty Davis really Margot Channing, really gives into that adoration at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then she's the first person to turn her. And there's this amazing scene, uh, which is at uh, Bill's birthday party. Yes. Um, And (laughs) Betty Davis just owns everything that happens (laughs) for about 20 minutes. Yeah. And she, she gets very inebriated Mm -hmm. and, She's barking at literally everybody in very sardonic, sarcastic ways. And she kicks it all off by announcing to the group, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night, Yes, which is a famous line in movie history. Yeah, I wondered if that was like the first time that phrase was kind of that's the first time because that's that felt where it came from. Yeah, another one of those moments like what we had in It Happens One Night where it's, you know, I've heard that. I recognize that. And, and this is what it's from. And, and kind of that moment of realization is really amazing. We know you. We've seen you like this before. Is it over or is it just beginning? Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's this great party scene where she's, yeah, she's just in just tearing into everyone and she gets very drunk as you mentioned and she's really funny she plays a really good drunk uh yeah and uh, <laughs> yeah just it, there's a lot of comic comic there's stuff just lots of little she's really concerned that eve is trying to go after her mm-hmm. uh boyfriend bill bill is younger than she is they make a big point out of this mm-hmm. um younger than margo um at one point she says something like bill it looks 32 is Mm. bill is 32 he looks 32 he looked at eight years ago he'll look at eight years from now i hate men yeah um (laughs) yeah (laughs) some of that is really feels timely still today too with i mean the way hollywood treats women and and yes and how it's hard for aging women to get parts so a lot of that felt very um, yes. True. I think it's only gotten worse, actually. Uh, yeah. And they, like they talk about how she's recently forty. Yeah. And she's like, it's um, going to be hard from here. Like, oh, wow, forty today, <laughs> it would be even harder. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and like when Bill is talking to Eve at the party, and mm-hmm. he he asks her what he wants, what she wants to drink, and Betty Davis is like a milkshake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All these jokes about how she's a baby, and yeah. <laughs> um, and the and Ann Baxter plays Eve. We should say yes. she has a great little monologue at the party scene where she she's kind of overwhelmed by imagining she's famous, and um, mm-hmm. you just kind of see her obsession with that, and it start to really see like maybe she, there's more to what she's wanting to do here. Um, yeah, 
but she's she's fantastic and Anne Baxter by the way also my first movie of hers she's mm-hmm. so so beautiful and plays the, the so that the, the jealousy angle between her and, and Betty Davis is just incredibly believable interestingly they became friends in real life um and then years later they um they did a musical version oh, really? of uh, All About Eve called Applause. Oh. And initially, Lauren Bacall played the Margot Channing part. But then uh, Ann Baxter was one of the replacements to play Margot. To play Margot. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. She and then reversed on that. And then Betty Davis was in a pilot for a TV show in 1983 called Hotel, which was an Aaron Spelling uh, you know, soapy drama. Mm. And um, the pilot got picked up, but then Bay Davis had a stroke and couldn't mm. uh, couldn't return to the show, basically. And so they needed a new matriarch for the show. So who did they prank in? <laughs> Ann Baxter. Ann Baxter, wow. <laughs> so they had an interesting intertwined career for yes. all their lives. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, uh, apparently she didn't get along with, uh, Celeste Holm, who mm-hmm. played Karen. Yes. I heard a little bit of that in my research. Uh, whenever she said she went up to Betty Davis after they met and said something like, um, how do you do Miss Davis? It's so great to meet you. Um, and she said something like, oh shit manners. <laughs> um, so it could be a little cantankerous, although, I will also say Celeste Holm later spoke at her AFI tribute in the late seventies. So I don't know if, I don't know how, I don't know if she's just one of those people who Mm -hmm. likes to tell stories or not, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, so maybe she, uh, has rewritten history a few times, (laughs) but, um, regardless, uh, behind the scenes drama was very interesting for this film Mm -hmm. because Bay Davis, um, has a fascinating career and I very much encourage you to watch more than just this movie. Yeah. I almost um, had time to watch, um, of human bondage, but I didn't quite squeeze it in, but that's on my list for soon. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Although I will say that one is a little bit creakier, mm-hmm. um, as an earlier sound film. Mm. Um, she does have, I mean, if you're looking for performances, I mean, she does a great job in that movie. She plays a cockney, uh, waitress it was her breakout performance um because it was such an awful unlikable character mm. uh as a movie it's a little it's a little um it's like it just has a lot of those uh qualities that are very common of early sound films mm. where they haven't really figured out the narrative format yet yeah 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 um and so it does have some problems but she she is very obviously a force of nature even mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was her breakout film. It caused a lot of drama because it was a loan out picture. She was under contracts at, at Warner Brothers and she had to get loaned out to RKO to make the movie. Warner Brothers didn't wake, want her to make the movie. And um, because of that, nobody campaigned for her to get right. a Best Actor Actress nomination. She didn't get one. And it was a huge controversy. They ended up allowing write-in votes that year um, because of the controversy, um, which uh, apparently Bay Davis ended up coming in third in the vote. 
So she's talking about but Claudette Colbert won that year, correct? Claudette Colbert won that year for It Happened One Night. Yes. Um, and then after that, she won the next year for another movie. She always thought of it as a makeup Oscar mm-hmm. um, <laughs> called Dangerous. <laughs> and then um, after she wasn't getting the parts she wanted, she walked out of Warner Brothers and made a deal with a European company to make some movies. And then Jack Warner took her to court and sued her and she lost the suit. She had to come back to Warner Brothers, but she won their respect. Um, And because she won their respect, they started giving her quality films. Mm. And for about 10 years, from 1937 to like 1947, 48, she was undisputedly the queen Mm. of Warner Brothers. A lot of people called her the fourth Warner Brother. (laughs) And uh, there were actually four Warner Brothers, but one of them died Mm. in 1927. So she then took on the title. Uh, and there is a very pretty high quality uh, series of what a lot of people would call women's pictures. Mm. Uh, she did a lot of the melodramas, romantic melodramas, like um, Now Voyager mm. is a really great film, Dark Victory. Um, and she got Oscar nominations five in a row, ended up getting 10 overall. A lot of wow. them came in this period where she um, was lighting Hollywood on fire. And while she was doing all of that, she was also uh, very active in the World War II um, civilian war effort. Mm. She uh, started something called the Hollywood Canteen in 1942 with an actor named John Garfield. And the two of them started this canteen, which entertained millions of servicemen and women who were passing through Los Angeles on their way to be shipped out overseas. And they offered free of charge um, a hamburger, uh, milkshake. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there was no alcohol allowed. <laughs> cigarettes were <laughs> they handed out cigarettes though because it was the forties, yeah. and um, coffee, you know. And um, you could. They always had the the biggest names in live bands. Wow. Glenn, Glenn Miller played all the time, and you could dance with uh, Starlet every. Night of the week was hosted by a different uh, studio. So one one night it was MGM, and they all of their people were staffing. Uh, but you know, uh, Marlena Dietrich was known for working in the kitchen and cleaning the, the dishes. And, wow. um, and Betty Davis was in charge of this, so she was there almost every single night after she finished up at the studio. And um, you know, she was later honored by the United States uh, government for her for services. Yeah. Wow. Um, but she had been this like incredibly active member. She was the first um, female president of the Academy. Really? Um, wow. Only for a few months, though, because mm. she this, she suggested all of these changes to the way that they did mm. the awards, including having them in front of an audience instead of a banquet huh. and <laughs> a few other things. And they said, ah, we don't like any of that. And then mm. she resigned and of course within a few years it was in, yeah. a, in front of an audience instead of a banquet. Anyway, yeah. wow. <laughs> they just wanted her to be a figurehead point of the story she was huge in every mm. single way and when um she started aging and that became more visible on screen and other stars became bigger you know mm-hmm. and her movies stopped making as much money and also to be fair, the quality was mm. going down because Warner brothers wasn't picking 
good projects for her, mm-hmm. she and WB decided to part ways. And she filmed one little movie um, after that that actually didn't get a release until after All About Eve. But basically her career was dead in the water. Mm-hmm. And nobody was going to hire her because she was not box office anymore. Yeah. So Claudette Colbert, who we are going to revisit now, yeah, <laughs> was set up to play Margot Channing in this film. And three weeks before they were supposed to start shooting, uh, she slipped a disc in her back mm. and was laid up and couldn't do the part. And so Bay Davis was contacted at the last minute. It should be said that uh, I believe uh, a director who worked on, with Bay Davis and um, now Voyager and a couple other films said something to Joseph Mankiewicz, who directed and wrote All About Eve, like, do not hire her. <laughs> she, will, <laughs> she will take over the film and leave nothing left for you. Um, and uh, he went ahead and went with it. As, anyway... Joseph Mankiewicz sent the script to A. Davis. She agreed immediately. She was getting over a bad case of laryngitis, something that she had suffered from quite a bit, probably because she smoked like a chimney. <laughs> and um, he, Joseph Mankiewicz ended up liking the fact that her voice was as raspy as it was mm. for this part. Um, and she got onto the set and they started out, started out with location shooting in San Francisco, which is what where the theater they have in a lot of the movie was located. And um, she fell in love with the guy who played Bill, yeah. uh, Gary Merrill. And the two of them ended up getting married. <laughs> they were both and, married to other people, right? Isn't that true? Yes. And uh, <laughs> she was in the process of already getting a divorce, to mm-hmm. be fair, um, from uh, a guy. I forget his name. Um, but he was the father of her only biological child. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and Gary Merrill would um, uh, adopt two children of their own uh, and be together for about 10 years. Um, but uh, essentially, and then he later was with Rita Hayworth hmm. as well. Interesting. <laughs> so he got around. <laughs> he had quite um, a run there. <laughs> he had quite a run. Um, but uh, uh, this is how Bay Davis ended up with this part. She later... Uh, described it, described Joseph L. Mankiewicz as being the one who resurrected her from the dead. Mm. And um, she, he also suggested the epitaph that would be written on her gravestone and is written on her grave here at Forest Lawn in Los Angeles. Um, and that is, uh, she did it the hard way. Mm. So, um, that is how Bay Davis came to be involved in this movie. And Baxter um, yeah. was already a pretty prolific actress at this point. She was under contracts at Fox, who produced the film. And she had won a supporting actress Oscar for a movie called The Razor's Edge a few mm-hmm. years before. But uh, this was undoubtedly the biggest movie she would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also Celeste Holm had had a pretty solid career up until this point. In supporting part, she had won an Oscar for Gentleman's Agreement, which uh, mm-hmm. was an Elia Kazan movie that won Best Picture in 1947. Um, and then George Sanders had been a pretty frequent actor in a lot of different types of projects at this point, and he had played uh, the 
the saint this year in a, one of those film serials of the of the day he's also in a great alfred hitchcock film called rebecca mm. um yeah, and foreign correspondent another hitchcock movie um and he 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 sometimes he's often a bad guy but he does play good guys as well hmm. um <laughs> But he's in he's in a ton of different movies uh, from the period, and so you assembled a really great cast. Joseph L. Mankiewicz was the hot, up and coming director writer combo of the day. Yes, tell he us about just him one and the Mankiewicz family, uh, the, the yes. whole legacy. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, Joseph L. Mankiewicz uh, also had a brother named Herman. Herman had written a movie called Citizen Kane, which we'll get to a little later. Um, <laughs> little movie joseph had started out as a writer uh in hollywood and he had transitioned to directing um and the year before all about eve he won best director and best uh writing for the movie a letter to three wives Mm -hmm. it did not win best picture um but all about eve did Mm -hmm. as well as writing and directing so he became the only person in history to win directing and writing both two years in a row um he would go on to direct a lot of really great films in the 50s and 60s he did oh um the elizabeth taylor version of cleopatra Cleopatra, he did um a movie called suddenly last summer with elizabeth taylor and Catherine hepburn and montgomery cliff that's a really uh really crazy Tennessee Williams story um, that I quite enjoy. Um, He also did a pretty well-known version of Julius Caesar with Marlon Brando um, and James Mason. And uh, he, I'm I'm skipping over something really Uh, big that he did. Oh, he did Sleuth, which is a uh, two person movie. Only two people in the film, uh, Lawrence Olivier and, uh, Michael Caine, yeah. uh, which, I mean, if you're going to have two people in a movie. <laughs> two really good ones. Um, so he was uh, undoubtedly one of the one of the best, honestly, um, in the business. And uh, <laughs> he ended up having uh, his own legacy in terms of his family, um, particularly his brother Herman, I should say. Herman mm-hmm. had a son who would go on to become a political figure. He, his son was the campaign manager for both Robert Kennedy in 1968, hmm. um, that ill-fated campaign. Yeah, wow. And uh, he was the campaign manager for a different type of ill-fated campaign, <laughs> uh, George McGovern in 1972. Hmm. Um, and then he had two sons, one of which is Josh Mankiewicz, who is the uh, one of the hosts of uh, of uh, Dateline on NBC, and or yeah, Dateline, yeah, Nightline's ABC, right? Uh, yeah. I think that's right. Dateline, <laughs> Dateline NBC, yeah. Um, and then uh, Ben Mankiewicz, who is the um, patron patron saint host of. <laughs> Turner Classic Movies. Yeah, who you've worked with many times, yeah? Yes, who I know pretty well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So that's pretty pretty cool, Uh, just family legacy that's still still going today. 
look for Ben Manquitz on TCM and have a new appreciation for for him and his family legacy. It's pretty yeah, cool. quite uh, quite a legacy. Yeah. So this movie, uh, let's talk about the Oscars controversy with it because mm-hmm. uh, basically the votes were split, right, for for supporting or for a lead actress. That is the general. Uh, consensus, and I don't want to disparage anything on Julie, Judy Holiday's performance in Born Yesterday. Mm. Um, she's a great little actress, very funny. Um, but it, it's interesting because All About Eve came out the same year as another movie that is also in the AFI Top 100 on the National Film Registry, is considered an all time classic, uh, Sunset Boulevard. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Also turned into that. a Broadway musical so good. as well. Uh, Sunset Boulevard's a great movie. Billy Wilder wrote and directed. Um, we'll be talking about another Billy Wilder yes. film next week. Some similar uh, themes in that movie as far as like aging yes. stars. Yeah. Both movies about aging stars. Um, one who gets her life together and the other who does not. <laughs> yeah. um, but <laughs> um, also represented a comeback for the lead actress. Mm. Although, oh, excuse yeah. me, I'm not quite the... Uh, not quite the level of a comeback that Betty Davis had mm. um, in the sense that Betty Davis uh, continued to make movies and yeah. Gloria Swanson, not as much, yeah. but um, uh, Sunset Boulevard was nominated uh, for not only best picture and director and writing and all of that. It also of course got a best actress nomination for Gloria Swanson and Betty Davis got a best actress nomination for all about Eve and and Baxter got a nomination for All About Eve. And, and so she you pushed had, for that, right? Like she pushed for lead instead of yes. supporting and Baxter. Which I, to be fair is is fair. The movie yeah, her name's in the title. She's a big her role part is, of it, yeah. Her role is probably as big as Bay Davis's in the movie. They are co leads. But um although Bay Davis I feel is who you walk away remembering mm-hmm. yeah. from the film. And her performance, I think, is it, it is. I, I don't think you can argue it isn't the best performance in the movie. Mm. In a movie with lots of great performances, yeah. um, but you know, Margot's a nuanced. Um, it, it's a creation. It's a really. Mm. It's a great character. Yeah. Um, so they're both nominated in the leading category, and then neither of them won. Yes, and um, my thought is more that because. I doubt Ann Baxter was ever really, I, I don't think she was probably ever the favorite mm. compared to Bay Davis, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. but I think Gloria Swanson being there as well, mm-hmm. probably really heavily split the vote. Yeah. Um, and which allowed the person who was maybe the number three or the number four, mm-hmm. uh, on a lot of people's lists to break through. Mm. Um, that said, I mean, Judy Holiday is really great and born yesterday, so I don't want to take anything yeah. away from her performance. But I, I, I also think that Bay Davis's Margaret Channing is one of the great characters mm-hmm. of all time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, the supporting actress nomin- the supporting actress category was also full with nominations. Yeah. Two. Because uh, both Celeste Holm yeah. and Thelma Ritter, who played her. Uh, made birdie yeah got the really first of her barely six. in this but she is very memorable yeah. and i was happy to see she was nominated yeah she's she kind of disappears halfway through the movie yeah um but uh thelma ritter ended up getting six nominations and 
for supporting actress and she lost every single time. Mm-hmm. But um, she is one of the great character actresses of the 50s and 60s. And a lot of people would probably know her from a Hitchcock movie called Rear Window, oh, where yeah. she has undoubtedly her best role and oddly not a nomination mm-hmm. uh, for playing uh, the nurse who is attending to um, Jimmy Stewart while he's put up with his broken leg. Mm-hmm. So, um uh, can't think of her name in that movie, but uh, yeah, I can't either. <laughs> but anyway, it's yeah. uh, it's a truly uh, a truly great little career, mm-hmm. um, and she she made quite a living off of uh, being the cantankerous smart aleck that she is mm, yeah. in this film. It also has uh, Marilyn Monroe is also. Yeah, a I was going to mention that she I, I, and I actually didn't realize it was her until halfway through seeing her. I was like, hold on, that's Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> She's very <laughs> young in it and uh, a really small part, but really funny. And um, yeah, yes, very much kind of playing on her shtick like she always mm-hmm. did. But this is before she became famous, mm-hmm. although she was um she was becoming a thing quickly enough that she mm. is featured pretty heavily in the poster art hmm, for a lot of the all about Eve. Yeah. So if you look at the poster, that's on like IMDb. Um, she, uh, her face is right there in the corner. Oh yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, Stella is the name of the character in yes. rear window. I feel good ah. for figuring that out. <laughs> um, uh, I was going to mention other uh, Oscar nominations. It was nominated, but did not win for cinematography, which back then it was cinematography, black and white was a different category, I guess, than cinematography yeah. color. And that's fair. It's, it's interesting. I, yeah. You compare it to Sunset. Did Sunset Boulevard win? I feel like it should have. Um, I can find out really quick. Um, but it was also nominated for set direction and film editing and music. But then it won for director for Mankiewicz screenplay. Uh, costume design, sound recording, um, and then Best Actor for George Sanders, we mentioned, and then mm-hmm. Best Picture. Best Supporting. Of course. Yeah, Best Supporting Actor. Supporting Actor, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, that's 14 nominations, which is a tie for the most ever. Uh, both Titanic uh-huh. and La La Land have got 14 as well. Um, so this is the namesake of the movie that had the most nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, on the cinematography black and white question, The Third Man actually won. Uh, that year oh so the boulevard was nominated but did not win i've seen the third man too actually and that's um yeah it's a good great one. film but it actually it most of the time it the release date is really is written as 1949 but i think mm. it competed a year later because of uh it, it was a british film uh, so yeah. um, i'm glad it won for um screenplay because i think that's i mean as many strengths as this has the screenplay i think is uh, maybe it's strongest. It's really, really well written. It's the I think the mm-hmm. the thing I thought about this movie after watching it was like, wow, I need to watch that several more times in my life, and, and <laughs> I'll keep remembering new lines from it because there's several just really witty lines, um, memorable scenes. Uh, there's a, a fight scene in the theater where Betty Davis is fighting with uh, the. <laughs> the screenwriter or keep saying screenwriter playwright and yes. uh she gets just very unhinged and and really loses it uh because here another plot detail is that uh ann baxter's character eve um is her is her understudy without her knowing it basically and shows up uh at an audition that and just kills it and kind of becomes famous or starts to become famous because of that that kind of mm-hmm. break 
even the way she enters that that scene when she like uh, one of the other side characters, uh, Max, oh, yeah. the character the says hello, and she she's wearing this ridiculous fur coat, and she um, she opens up her coat <laughs> as she walks past him. Um, going through an aisle in the theater and covers his face and sweeps it over his face. Um, There's all those little moments. Uh, It should mention talking about uh, costuming. This is also uh, Edith head, you know, one Mm. of her Oscars for costume design. It's this movie. Um, And Edith head was, is probably the most famous costume designer of all time. She's the one the, the, the character is based on in the Incredibles. Correct. Yes, yeah, uh, Edna Mode. Edna Mode, yes. yeah, it's based on her. So if you've never heard Edith Head, that's uh, sort of what she's like. <laughs> she's yeah. been a big deal for a long time. Yeah, like uh, Page Boy haircut and the mm. and the the big spectacles. Yeah, and uh, very thin, lean thra- fa- frame, and mm. uh, and she put together costumes for literally every everybody that you can think of in wow. in Hollywood, and um, and she purposefully designed all of Betty's costumes to be kind of um, a little lower on the shoulder hmm. um, because Betty didn't like wearing bras. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so she had to, to alter waistlines and stuff just for that purpose. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and she, um, Oh, there's, a, there's a good line she had that said it was something like, um, I'll have to think about the line. Go on to whatever you're going to say, and I'll come back <laughs> yeah, to. Well, I was, yeah, I have a few lines that I wrote down that were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one memorable about, and I, so I want to mention her voice too. Actually, so I, I wondered, I, I was like, I need to see more Betty Davis movies to see if her voice was always like that. And you mentioned the laryngitis and all that, but she's very. Uh, uh, she has a line about, "Oh, we're all just busy little bees," and she's kind of kind of very throaty and um, deep voice. Uh, and it just makes her, her delivery yes. really funny in a lot of places. Don't get up. And please stop acting as if I were the queen mother. I'm sorry I didn't Outside mean... of a beehive, Margot, your behavior would hardly be considered either queenly or motherly. You're in a beehive, pal, didn't you know? We're all busy little bees, full of stings, making honey day and night. Aren't we, honey? Margot, really? Yeah, she she has that. And a lot of her later career, too, the raspier quality sets in. Mm. I mean, being a heavy smoker, that is going to happen to your voice. But if you listen to her in movies from the 30s, you'll see she has a much higher pitched mm. voice than she does in this film. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another line I was going to mention, and this kind of points at one of the bigger themes of the movie. So it's very much about fame and uh, obsession with, I don't know, like <laughs> fan fan bases and, and all of that, which is interesting seeing it so long ago that mm-hmm. uh, there were rabid fans then too that uh, became really obsessed. But um, she had a line, uh, she, someone says to her, sometimes I wish I understood you better because she was just reacting big and, and kind of flying off the handle. And she says, when you do let me in on it. So it kind of points <laughs> to the fact that she doesn't really know herself. And then that no. comes back to, and later on there's a serious conversation about um, all this jealousy that she feels towards Eve 
it's just really causing her to have a kind of an identity crisis. I think she's been this famous stage actress for her whole life and that's starting to fade and she doesn't know what to do and doesn't know who she is. So I think that was one of the most compelling things to watch is the moments in that theme came out. Um, that was very, very interesting for me. Yeah. It's such a screenwriting well on movie because it gets away with it because they're all theater people. So you mm. buy them talking so yeah. intelligently being over the but, top sort of yeah, and being over the top. But I mean, the, the dialogue is so smart yeah. in this movie. It's just like a smart person's dream, honestly, the way yeah. they talk. Mm. It it's, almost, uh, it's very fast yeah. too. In a lot of places it reminded me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, very different feeling, but if you've ever seen the show veep, it kind of had that that feeling of like very yes. quick witted, just jumping back and forth. And um, but yeah, of course, not to that level of I don't know raunchiness that that show has. But um, yeah, that kind of banter a, a lot of the time. It's the way you wish you talked to your friends. You mm-hmm. know, it's the way that you not the way you wish you treated your friends, but it's the way you wish you talked to your friends. <laughs> um, even the nonverbal stuff, like whenever. Uh, there's one point where Bay Davis lifts up a celery stick to um, George Sanders in a restaurant and she lifts it up to him and then he acknowledges it. And then she takes a buy out of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Almost like a big like middle a finger. To him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's all sorts of little, little stuff like that. That is so uh, wonderful. Or you could always put that award where your heart ought to be. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't give any contacts for that line because I don't want to I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. But the movie, um, the movie also it, it's it takes some twists and turns and it does it through a way that's totally character based, which yeah. is um, what's so brilliant about it. And then Betty Davis has probably one of her. I mean, she has lots of great moments in this, but probably one of her her great monologue of her career uh, comes whenever they're stalled in a car Mm -hmm. um, about three fourths the way through the movie. And she talks about a woman's career, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, which I think there's so much pathos in that it Mm -hmm. looks like you're looking like someone confessed their soul to the camera. Um, Yeah. It's just a really, it's a really great movie. <laughs> yes, I agree. And uh, everyone should watch it. The Edith Head quote that I didn't remember is no one can drop a mink like Betty Davis. Oh, that's good. What, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and oh, yeah. So I wanted to mention too. just a there's a, a moment where and I won't kind of spoil what's going on. But basically, Karen, uh, the best friend, has this moment where she just bursts out laughing about what's yes. going on and it's so well done uh so that that's towards the end and um it's it's one of those moments of just great writing where it really takes you off guard and surprising but it makes perfect sense and it's like cathartic almost um, it is yeah it's a really and it great follows moment. it follows one of those great just a few just two minutes before that laugh happens mm-hmm. you have one of those great oh, gasp moments mm, yeah. where where something happens to Karen, yeah. where you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> where yes. you don't realize the depths of darkness that mm. you just went yeah. into until you see this look in the person's eyes that she mm. is talking to. <laughs> yes, there's a great, yeah, it gets really twisty towards the end and, and surprising. And uh, just how far it goes is some of the, the pleasure and of this movie. I will say... Um, I was talking earlier about how 
between Bay Davis and Ann Baxter, I feel like Bay Davis clearly has the the more complicated, interesting mm-hmm. character and performance. But I will say, Ann Baxter does a really, really good job. Yeah. Once you take in the performance in its totality, mm-hmm. yeah. um, without saying too much, uh, yeah. it's, it's you, another uh, yeah another reason I want to watch this again. Uh, before too long is is seeing knowing the endings you'll see a lot of things in different light a little bit i think that's really yeah yes it is it is it's the ultimate it's the ultimate uh movie on the theater it's Mm -hmm. the ultimate movie on um aging i don't know it it just has lots of actress yeah life of an actress it has so much going on and on top of all of that, it's just so smart and is so much fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So it gets yeah. going quick and, and yeah, you won't be bored watching this for sure. Even though it is about two and a half hours. Yeah, long, it was, so. When I first started, I was like, wow, this is two and a half hours. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it, it yeah. goes quick and um, I was with it a hundred percent of the way. And yeah, th- that's all about Eve. Uh, I think we can wrap it up. Thanks so much uh, for joining Rants. And I will once again, tell everyone watch all about Eve and uh we will talk to you again next time. Can't wait. I couldn't do this without Rance Collins. Big thanks again to him for being part of this season. If you missed them, go back and listen to the first two episodes in this series on It Happened One Night and Casablanca. And coming up, we've got the movies Double Indemnity, The Best Years of Our Lives, and a big one to finish it out, Citizen Kane. If you want to support the show, leave us a rating and review on iTunes and keep up with Arthouse Garage on the socials. We are at Arthouse Garage on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. You can also find video reviews on YouTube and reviews and events on the blog at arthousegarage.com. You can also hit me up on email, andrew at arthousegarage.com. That will do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.